Well, greetings, friends, and welcome to the Gospel Underground Podcast. This is episode 33, Underground Saints. I am broadcasting live, well, live for me today, from the Power of Change Worldwide headquarters here in Blacksburg, Virginia. This is going to be uh, one of our uh, first global, well, not exactly first global. We did have an Australian brother and friend on here, but he was in the States. Today, I have with me my good friend, Brent Malcolm, all the way from London, Londinium. Brent, you there? I'm here. Thanks for having me, Reed. Yeah, glad to have you on, Brent. Well, uh, every now and then you get to have friends on uh, your podcast, and then other times you get to have uh, really good friends that span many years as well as many areas of life. Uh, Brent and I met probably 2008-ish, is that about right? August 2009 is when we moved to New Jersey. Okay. And you were moving from Ohio, right? Yeah, moving from Ohio. My girlfriend at the time, Tara, had taken a job uh, in New Jersey, so I moved shortly after her um, from Columbus, Ohio. And, yeah, we got married uh, May of 2010 and started going to Jacob's Well that August 2009, right towards the end of the the house church days before we launched uh, publicly weekly there in a, in a public gathering space. Yeah, we got to see Britt and Tara be wide-eyed, engaged, get married. Now they have a little dude who's two. <laughs> Um, what a what a ride! And uh, Brent's been an important friend to me. He was part of our core team in planting Jacobs Well in New Jersey, but also became a leader. Was one of the leaders on probably, I'd say it's might maybe even safe to say one of the best finance teams in church planting history. <laughs> we'll go with it. What do we have? Banking, IBM consultants, guy running hedge funds at Prudential, writing Python yep. code on servers. It was it was pretty nuts and a diverse skill set. Several accountants, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, and Brent eventually became an elder uh, with us on the team there, leading Jacobs Well, uh, and now is in London, watching lots of soccer games uh, with his family and uh, amongst other things. Uh, Brent is the one who uh, was part of my final conversion and baptism into the world of English football and made me a Manchester United fan. Part of my misery in life now. <laughs> Thank you for that. Yeah, very true. Well, our our topic today is uh, I've simply entitled Underground Saints, and obviously you're listening in to the gospel undergrounds. So that word is familiar to you out there if you're listening. And for us, uh, the word underground means kind of away from the center, right? In kind of American culture, certainly even in English culture, Brent probably would testify, we tend to get thinking that the biggest, the fastest, the most visible things uh, typically uh, matter most, but in reality, uh, at least according to the way Jesus taught us to see the world, that's not always the case. Many times it's the underground things, the things going on that no one sees uh, that can be uh, most important. I was in a seminary class, Brent, a few years ago, and uh, I was one of these uh, 40-something-year-old guys in an intro to pastoral <laughs> ministry class, um, and my professor was probably a good decade younger than me, and he was going off about celebrity culture and pastors, like, oh, we get too into this celebrity culture, and he just was going off on I was like, all right, I can feel this. I like this, and so I raised my hand, and I said, well, how about we just drop out of it? He goes, what do you mean? I was like, don't go to the conferences. Don't pitch the stuff. Get rid of the posters. Go take it all underground, and then he paused. He goes, but I like going to the big conference. <laughs> um, but this is a passion of mine to see people who live out a mission, wherever that is, whatever sphere of influence society they might find themselves in, in a way uh, that really is last is first, first is last. Jesus said, right, the, the greatest in the kingdom is the least, the greatest is a servant. And Brent, to be quite honest, um, I think we both got to uh, 
hear uh, from uh, one of the underground saints of the world who's gone on to be with God, uh, your dad, uh, Craig Malcolm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, indeed, for sure. I mean, it was, uh, you know, we'll get into it here. I mean, I think, you know, as, as we, can, right before we connected tonight, I was sort of thinking about the story and sort of my, my dad's journey. He was he was diagnosed with cancer um, a little over a year ago, um, August of uh, 2017. My sister was actually here visiting us, so I'll never forget the night that he called us and woke us up. It was like 11 or 11.30 at night, our time, so early evening in the States, and it kind of told us, you know, what he'd heard from the doctor and sort of the uh, what the next steps were going to be. And and then it was a, it was a year long journey. I mean, it was it was one of those cancers that once we understood sort of the the story, the the significance of it, it was a, a very rare form of, of cancer, one that you know faced pretty significant odds. And um, and yeah, just a just a real journey this last year. Obviously difficult for for my my wife and I. You know, we had moved to to London just a few months before um, before his his diagnosis. So um, you know, trying to to juggle that and sort of deal with the emotions and all the family things from from London um, back to Ohio is really difficult. Well, it's, it's one of those um, seasons, Brent, that obviously we watched through text messages and WhatsApp interactions, but, you know, email updates from you and certainly friends all over the world really praying for you uh, and your family. But more and more, I kept learning more about your father. I mean, Brent's dad would show up, uh, one, you know, show up at a church service at, in New Jersey often um, and be one of these guys that just... Um, just be super encouraging, you know, another pastor, another preacher coming up to the guy who just gave the sermon, you know, um, and just more than a pat on the, uh, on the back, kind of an affirm affirmation, like, man, I love what you're doing. Thanks for what you're doing. I was like, wow, Brent's dad's really cool. Well, your dad is way more awesome than I realized, man. Just, um, I, I told Brent this after the uh, memorial service a couple weekends ago, and I said, you know, the biggest mistake I made is I should have asked your dad to mentor me. <laughs> Um, well, um, at the funeral, um, I told someone beforehand that they were really going to like the person preaching. Cause they asked me, are you preaching? I'm like, no, I'm just here as a friend, but you'll really like the message, uh, that you'll hear today. Tell us a little bit about, about that message, Brent. Yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, as my family and I were sort of planning the memorial service, you know, we had a few weeks or so from the time that we knew that, you know, my dad didn't have uh, too many days left to the, to the actual day we had the memorial service. So we had time, my uncle, my mom, my sister and I just, you know, talking a lot about the service and, and sort of what we wanted that flow to be like, and, you know, trying to think through like the best ways to, to really bring honor to the Lord through the life of my dad. And, yeah. you know, we, we were talking about eulogies and sort of debating my uncle and I kind of went back and forth for like days. Who's like, are you, are you yeah. doing it? Yeah. Are you doing it? Am I doing it? And, you know, I just, my uncle gave me great advice. You know, he, he was talking about from his own life. And he said, you know, for my dad, I couldn't do it. He said, he said, for my mom, I want to be the one that does it. He said, for my dad, he's like, I, I couldn't do it. Maybe you can, I, I couldn't do it. And, you know, I, as we got closer to the day, I just didn't want to be up there and sort of take the risk of, of crying my literal eyes out <laughs> and not being able to, you know, get yeah. through any words and, and, and be clear. And plus my uncle had really great stories to tell, really great um, sort of background in my dad's life. My dad had really many played a big part yeah. through many phases of his life. Yeah, my dad had played a, a really big role in his life. I wanted people to hear that. So we had sort of agreed that my, my uncle would do the eulogy. And then we were talking about the rest of the service. And my mom reminded us that my dad had just been teaching through the book of Philippians. They had started it, I think, probably late spring. Um, and, and June 17th of this year, Father's Day, uh, naturally, yeah. um, he was preaching Philippians 1, 
verses 21 through 26, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. And, and certainly that great passage. And, you know, he literally titled the passage death benefits yeah, and, death and benefits. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and sort of taught what life looks like, what it means to the believer and what death means to the believer, what the promises sort of are past, you know, the end of life on this earth. And, you know, so we were debating it and talking about it. The sermon was like 36 minutes long. My mom originally wanted to play the whole thing. And, you know, coming into this, my thought was, all right, we'll trim it down to seven, eight minutes. I don't want it to be crazy long. I don't want people sitting there. Um, as I began to listen to that sermon, you know, A, 20 seconds in, I was like, yes, we have to play this. And then as I started to actually edit it, I, I just I couldn't get it shorter than like 20 minutes. You know, as I'm going through the content, as I'm listening to this thing over and over again, you know, people just needed to hear him in this moment. So I was fortunate to be able to get my hands on the audio, thankful that um, their church there in, in Columbus recorded his sermons weekly. And I just started editing it, trying to talk, sort of trim it down a bit to a sort of a manageable cut for, for our memorial service. And, and, and friends, by editing it, you know, obviously we're doing a podcast here. We're going to do post-production editing. Brent actually fired up Audacity, which is a kind of a digital audio editing program. And you kind of went to work on your dad's words. That's just amazing to me. How long did it take you to put that cut together? It was about a day and a half, although I spent um, I spent most of that day and a half <laughs> working on it. You know, I wanted it to be perfect, of yeah. course. Kept listening to it over and over again, trying to figure out, you know, what should stay, what should go. And, and yes, yeah, so it was definitely a labor of love. But, you know, I think my mom was super passionate about it, having heard the sermon at the time. And then, you know, as I started to listen to it, it, it was just the big thing for me was just sort of the perspective on this. And I said this in the memorial service, which is that as you listen to this, you can't lose sight of the fact that and he's doing this in the middle of June. Uh, he passed away a few weeks ago. So he's doing this a, a few months before his time on earth would end. And you know, certainly at that time, he would be wrestling with his own mortality. He would be wrestling with what these verses meant to his own life. Very practically, very yeah. real. Yeah. Um, and yet, you know, humbly, clearly, faithfully and, and just so so passionately you know preaching the good news of the gospel in jesus christ in life and in death and anything in between and you know sort of yeah. listening to that understanding the context and understanding what he was looking at as his son you know i just i couldn't believe it it was just yeah. unbelievable well i tell you when you hear the term death benefits you know you think of maybe like social security or something or life insurance like you're going to get a payout or something um but what your father brought that day reminded me what we have in both life and death is far beyond marvelous. And to hear it, I mean, I, I want to thank you personally for um, doing, putting his words together the way you did, um, because I needed to hear it and to certainly look at not just someone talking about, you know, mortality or, Hey, we're all going to die one out of one someday, but literally months before his own uh, passing, would uh, proclaim the truths of our own death benefits that, that we have in Jesus it is quite amazing. And so I asked Brent after that memorial service, I was like, hey, I want more people to hear this. And so Brent, uh, thank you for giving us uh, the audio file. We're going to run it for you here uh, now uh, so you can um, hear what does it mean not just to be a Christian, but to believe the gospel in light of your own mortality. And so Man, your dad's a good preacher too, Brett. Man, thanks for uh, thanks for sharing him with the world. This this underground saying, Craig Malcolm. Here's his word. Appreciate it.
Philippians, as we've seen, is powerful for so many reasons. But I think one of the key reasons is that it takes the reality of everyday life and it fills it with passion. It fills it with a heart that is readily available to all who will take it. And so this morning, we're looking at our death benefits. Kind of a strange title, isn't it? But let's look at what Paul writes in Philippians 1, beginning in verse 21. For to me to live is Christ. To die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet, which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. Now, pay close attention. So that in me, you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. And so Paul's very presence causes them to glory in Christ Jesus. Now, the reason I emphasize that verse to you this morning is because that ought to be the single most important goal in each one of our lives today. That Christ would be magnified through us and cause others to glory in Christ Jesus. Now, the second half of verse 21 moves from the subject of life in Christ to death in Christ and teaches that there is great benefits in death for Christians. Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Two verses later, he adds, I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. Death, a gain. And death, far better. How vividly these words cause us to triumph in the spirit of Jesus Christ and absolutely change our outlook on life. Philosophers have pictured death in abstract language. And poets have romanticized it, both attempting to lessen its terror. Francis Bacon wrote, Men fear death as children fear the dark. But how grateful and how free we can be from this terror. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. Since therefore the children share in the flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same thing that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. You and I, who know Christ, will be delivered. And what an amazing truth for each one of us. Some people have imagined that if a person suffers enough in life, death comes as a relief. And some have speculated that it's only in this sense that death is a blessing to Christians. Christians have often been tortured for their faith. 
From this perspective, death sometimes has been called a greater blessing. However, this distorts the biblical principle and the picture that's created here. Death for the Christian is never pictured as an improvement over the worst. It's always pictured as an improvement over the best. Certainly, this is the idea that Paul is conveying here. We might imagine that Paul was suffering in prison and was anxious for a speedy delivery even through the portal of death. But this just is the opposite of how Paul thought. Paul's life was full. He had been enriched by fellowship with Christ. He writes, "For me to live is Christ." Now remember, he's writing this from prison, chained to a Roman centurion. And for him to live is Christ. He was confident that Christ would be magnified in the way he led his life. He speaks of his earnest expectation and hope that in always Christ would be exalted in his body. You see it didn't matter what circumstance Paul was in. As long as he clung to the reality of Christ in his life, he knew that Christ would be magnified. He was filled with delight that his work at Philippi had prospered. He even seen the spread of the gospel through Rome. Consequently, the statement that surrounds his circumstances at Rome is quite optimistic. So it is against this background that the great apostle Paul terms death better by far. One commentator has written, "Life and death look to us like two evils of which we don't know which is worse." As for the apostle, they look to him like two immense blessings of which he knows not which is better. How does one have that perspective? Here's the key. On either side of the veil, Jesus Christ was all things to Paul. On either side of the veil, life or death, Jesus Christ was all things to Paul. That's why he could say that I've learned in whatever state I'm in, whatever state I'm in, to rejoice. So this brings us to something I think is very important for us. And I want to challenge you to get alone this week. Take your Bible and ask God to lead you in creating and cultivating a surrendered heart. Every day, ask him to lead you to that goal. Lord, how do I have the heart to live for you in every circumstance? Now, because of this, there are many benefits in death for the Christian. Number 1, freedom from evil. Death brings permanent freedom from evil. The Christian who has tasted the delight of God's righteousness longs for a purity that he will never have on this earth. He longs to be free from the pain, from care, from anxiety. And he knows that death brings that freedom. 
all is left behind. All of the sin, all of the pain, all of the care and anguish of this world. In death, there is great freedom. Number two, we will be like Jesus. That's an amazing thought. John wrote in 1 John 3, verse 2, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. When we get to heaven, we will see Jesus with no restrictions. Can you imagine that? We will see him face to face. It's not enough to say that death brings freedom from evil. The Bible teaches that death brings a final perfection of the sanctification of the believer that has begun here on earth. So we shall be like him. That means we shall be like him in righteousness. Paul speaks of this in 2 Timothy 4 verse 8. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Can you imagine sinful, wretched people? And God is going to reward us a crown of righteousness? Absolutely undeserved merit and favor by God. The thoughts are breathtaking. Crowned with righteousness. Also, we shall be like him in knowledge. Now, we see things imperfectly. And in that day, we shall know as God knows us. And all that has puzzled us in this life will become very clear. I love 1 Corinthians 13, 12. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Our knowledge will be perfect. Imagine that. And thirdly, we shall also be like Christ in love. Now, let's be honest. There is much of self in everything we do. Even in the love relationships with the people closest to us, there is always something for us that we want to have built into that. But Christ's love was selfless and self-sacrificing. It was a love that reached us when we were sinners and saved us for this life and the eternity to come. How wonderful that God's love stooped low enough to reach us that it will yet carry us into his presence. We will love with total Christ-like love. And it's an amazing truth. We shall be like Christ. Number three, we shall be with him. He has given us his spirit to indwell us. 
He has given us the Word of God, which the Scripture says is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. We can also trust the fact that He will stay deeply close to us even through death. Psalm 46 verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And one verse that I love to use at funerals is Psalm 116 verse 15. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Why is that precious? Well, because now we can be what God intended us to be. This whole sin life had separated us. We were cut off from God, from His mercy and grace. And because of what Christ did on Calvary, we can be restored with Him. And when we accept Christ as Savior, that relationship is is restored. And from that point forward, our whole goal in life ought to be living for Him. But when we cross that veil, we are now fully and completely in our intended purpose. I remember when my kids were young, Christmas morning, birthdays, and you would buy a gift that you just knew, oh, they just really wanted. And when it came time to open it and they got to the package, I had so much excitement, I couldn't, couldn't hardly stand it. Open it, open it, open it. Because I couldn't wait for them to see what they were getting. And I kind of pictured Jesus sitting in heaven when one of his saints is about to pass thoroughly excited because what he has promised they're about to take and receive fully what an amazing joy the day is coming when we shall be with him as never before even for Paul the dilemma that he stood in wasn't a dilemma between Christ and not Christ. It was a dilemma between Christ and Christ. Christ much and Christ much more. Christ by faith, Christ by sight. In that day, faith will give way to sight. All the things that you and I believe because the Bible teaches and how the Holy Spirit filtrates our heart and leads us. All the great truths about the Word of God that we know and hold dear, we believe by faith. But when death comes and we step into His presence, faith is no longer needed because we'll see it by sight. We'll be with Him and experience all that's been promised to us. You and I also can look forward to that union. But for now, we live for others by His Spirit. It's true that death holds benefits for for believers. Freedom from evil. Freedom to be like Christ. To be in union with Him. But this was never intended to make Christians flee from the duties of this life. I'm reminded that John argues that everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself just as he is pure, 1 John 3.3. 3. 
And then the great chapter on the resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15 closes with verse 58. It says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. In other words, what the scripture is saying is that you're saved. You're going to be with Jesus forever. Heaven is coming. But for right now, I have a work for you to do. I have a plan for your life that I put together before the foundation of the world. I have a plan that I have set aside for you, and I want you to be actively pursuing that plan. Don't stop working for Christ. If Christ truly created us to glorify Him, and He created us to have fellowship with Him, and we know that He has created a plan for us to work, how many of us take the time to get in the Word of God and allow the Holy Spirit to work in and through us to lead us to that plan in life that He has for us? Every person in this room this morning, God has a plan for you. Do you know what it is? You understand that in Him, all things are made perfect. So when life comes to hit a screeching halt or take a left turn when you wanted to go right, you suddenly realize that in Christ, all things are perfect. I would also encourage you to say, God, what is that plan you have for me? What is that specific walk that you have for the foundation of the world set up for me. Help me to be faithful to pursue that plan and not be so easily knocked off because of life's catastrophes. You and I will never be free from trouble, ever. It's what happens this side of the veil. It's because of the sin-cursed world we live in. God has a plan for us to guide us and navigate it through it so we can bring glory to Him. When we get to heaven and He gives us that crown of righteousness, the jewels we have accumulated we can cast back at His feet and say, Lord, these are yours. I followed you. And every day you and I get on our knees and say, Lord, Lord, did I walk with you today? Did you lead me? There's such a blessing in walking with the Lord. So it must be with all of us. We must lift our minds to contemplate the joys of heaven. But while here, we must live for others. Being Christ to others whenever possible and allowing everyone we come in contact with see Jesus. Quite frankly, it's the only reason Jesus. Be to live is Christ. To die is gain. For me to live is Christ. Well, thank you 
Thank you, Mr. Malcolm. You know, it's one thing to contemplate uh, your own uh, mortality and your own coming death, but it's quite another thing to uh, proclaim the truth of the good news of Jesus in the face of death. That's why uh, we see death, where is your victory? Where is your sting? And we know that Jesus himself is the resurrection and the life that he who believes in him will live even though he dies. And certainly Jesus asks us, and I do think Mr. Malcolm asks us, uh, do you believe this? And if you do, you receive such wonderful death benefits uh, in and through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. You know, Brent, listening to that whole day, um, I have two daughters. They're teenagers now, so they they look like young women. You've you've seen them grow up from little tiny yep. dogs to <laughs> yep. you know what they are. Um, your sister on stage literally said, uh, "A young woman now has her own kids, married." Said, "I literally have no negative memories of my father," and I just paused and said, "Wow, what a man who would mentor a young girl into adulthood." Uh, and her to be, you know, so many are like, I've got, you know, I'm in therapy because of my dad, <laughs> you know, this and that. Um, but that remark struck me. And, and, and your dad said that his his grandkids were his best medicine uh, during his cancer treatment. Tell, tell, tell us a little bit about how he related to those littles. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, my son was born, my son's two, a little over two. And um, my sister has, has one uh, boy as well, was born uh, last December. He'll be one um, in, in a few weeks. And I mean, he just loved them unconditionally, you know, just so, so much. And, and to have two boys, I think, was, was really cool for him. And, and, you know, it was difficult for us, obviously, living far. But um, one of the great joys I had is even for us to be living in London. Like, my dad wasn't upset about it. He didn't resent us for it. Like, he yeah. he loved the journey that, that my, my son, his grandson, uh, Pearson, uh, was on. We've traveled a lot, as you know, and been to lots of countries. And he... He just was so happy, took such pride in this reality that his grandson was, you know, experiencing different cultures around the world, seeing different people and just having experiences that, that quite frankly, he did not have. So um, even from afar with with my son and then uh, my sister's son, uh, my sister lives close to to my dad. I mean, they they were my dad would literally prep sermons and and sort of on the side, watch, watch um, a couple of days a week, my uh, my nephew and just, you know, just giving up his time, giving up his energy, just unconditionally loving our boys. they were certainly medicine to him through his own treatments and through uh, sort of the difficulties he was walking through these last several months. And I think with your uh, above average Instagram game, your your dad probably got to see a lot of pictures from Pearson all over the world. <laughs> he, he did indeed. Yeah, he used yeah. to. That's one of the things I miss the most is you know as I there's going to be things right where it's like I go to text my dad after a football game or yeah. um, or you know I read an article and he he would be literally the first person I go to and certainly traveling and pictures like I love taking pictures I'm really getting into photography and and so much of that was you know because he loved it so much and sort of sending a picture to him and knowing how much he loved seeing what we saw but to your point getting to see his grandson experience these things his son and his grandson getting to see them you know see things and places that he had known about but never got to see himself was a little great joy out on the mountain somewhere (laughs) yeah exactly exactly you know 
one final story from the day of the memorial that struck me. I, I met many families that were from different parts of the world. One family from Kenya, multiple generations. I said, hey, how did you guys know Mr. Malcolm? And they were like, this is our church. And I was like, what a wonderful day for me to to be with all these people. Even here, like the one the one young lady who was supposed to speak, I guess, at the luncheon afterwards that just rolled up during the main, <laughs> main <laughs> service and gave yeah. testimony to your father how just he, he, he just loved people. Obviously, it was a church in the suburbs and in much of our country today there's so much racial division and things and seeing young and old black and white people from all over together and uh, was just a, a beautiful expression of the love of God through through just a man that um, Jesse on our last podcast you know Mr. Malcolm probably didn't have Twitter which you did confirm right no, no Twitter <laughs> he was no Twitter. celebrity pastor Twitter trained uh, but no, yeah living out a ministry to people of all walks of life, it was so beautiful to see. Yeah, I think um, after we had the memorial service with, with just their church, we did a, a dinner and, and an open mic, quite frankly, where folks would just get up and, and share. Um, people that didn't get a chance to properly say their goodbye to my dad, just having a chance to share. And um, one of the guys in the church community, you're talking about just his love for people. He, the thing that struck me the most, he said, though we're in Columbus, Ohio, um, this was a man that was... Um, was for all nations, cross-cultural, he said, you know, and just this reality that my dad didn't care who you were, where you came from, what your background was. He just, he loved you and wanted um, you to know Jesus and cared about you. And and that just struck me so much. Like, you know, things I sort of knew conceptually and saw, but just then to hear all these people just tell tell you quite, you know, literally I'm sitting in the front, they're just looking to me and, and telling me these stories. And it is, you know, he was a great role model. He was the, the standard for me in terms of what it means to be a man, what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to love your wife and love your, your kids. And, and then even more so in his death, just hearing these stories more and more, it is, it is the great calling that the Lord has given me through my dad to, to live on for sure. Yeah. That's something you can live in freedom, man. Uh, your dad has bequeathed to you and given to you a legacy, right? Um, yeah. Without pressure, you don't have to, Oh, I got to live up to my dad. You get to live out a life, right? Obviously physically uh, imparted to you in some ways by your father, but even more so the spiritual life imparted to you by your heavenly father. Uh, We all get to continue in the journey to serve as husbands, dads, uh, bankers, podcasters, uh, ministers of the gospel, wherever we might go. And so underground saints, uh, we get to see them and those who've seen them up close get to live out an underground legacy. Anything you got for us uh, before we sign off here? I know it's getting late there uh, across the pond. I just, one thing, I guess I'm thinking just to to wrap it up. And I I shared this with some of our close friends um, via email as I was kind of updating, but you know, I I had so many quiet moments with my dad, so many, um, so many sort of little memories I always carry with me um, of those last few weeks. But one of the things I did, and we talk about a legacy, one of the things I was doing when it was just me and him so often was just playing the old hymns and, playing music half the time he was awake, you know, half the time he was sleeping. But one of the hymns I kept coming back to was, you know, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. And yeah. I'll try to make sure I get this um, chorus or get this, this phrase right. But essentially that it goes, you know, I'm so glad I learned to trust him, precious Jesus, save your friend. Mm. And I know he will be with me, will be with me till the end. And, you know, I've heard those words so many times. And, and then in this moment, I'm thinking, as a follower of Christ, I can proclaim these words, knowing that what Jesus has done for me and knowing that I know this because of my dad, you know, and his life and sort of his, 
you know, from the ages of four or five, I remember him just, you know, getting by my bedside and sort of talking to me about these things before we would pray at night. And, and just the legacy that my dad can live as a follower of Christ is that his family, his children, his children's children can sing these words that, you know, they can trust Jesus, that he is their savior. He is our friend. And we know that he'll be with us till the end. And we know these things through the, the life and, and sort of the the testimony of my dad and, you know, there is not a greater gift. There is not a greater legacy that a man can leave his family. And, you know, certainly for that, I will be forever grateful. Amen. Amen. And Kayla, Kyleen, Tommy Pearson, and any other little Malcolms that might roll out uh, now uh, have that in our lives. And we have the privilege to encourage each other as brothers and friends to uh, give that to our own kids. And, uh, and even maybe we'll hug it out and watch some Manchester United football over in England someday here. Soon I'm going to get my son over there to hang with you. We're ready to go whenever you get here. It, won't, it probably won't be the most enjoyable game the way they're playing right now, but we'll, <laughs> we'll, still, we'll still sing our lungs out and have a good time. That's right, and then teach them that we might have sufficient courage. And now <laughs> right. as always, that Christ would be exalted in our mortal bodies for us to live as Christ and to die, as your dad taught us, is gain. Well, the Gospel Underground is a joint production of Power of Change in the Bonhoeffer House. Send your comments, feedback, questions that you might want us to take up here on the Underground to info at gospelunderground.org. We are a dialogue taking place on the borderlands between the church and culture and between the UK and America today. Brent, thank you so much for joining us, brother. Thanks, Reed. Appreciate it. Peace.